Welcome everybody. My name is Slade Jensen and today I'm going to talk to you about antimicrobial resistance pathogens and the clinical utility of genomics. I am part of the School of Medicine at Western Sydney University and lead a molecular microbiology group based at the Ingham Institute for Applied Medical Research, which is located in Southwest Sydney. So, in terms of hospital-acquired infections, there is a group of organisms referred to as the escape pathogens, which have become the most problematic and are so named as they are particularly adept at escaping the actions of antibiotics. Over the last three to four decades, these and other key pathogens have become increasingly resistant to various antimicrobials. And this has been attributed to a variety of factors, uh, which you're all familiar with, such as the misuse and overuse of antibiotics, and poor hygiene and infection prevention and control. Unfortunately, coinciding with this trend, there has also been a decrease in the number of companies involved in antibiotic research and development. And some of the reasons for this are evident on the next slide. Antibiotics are one of the only types of drugs that affect cure. An individual may take an antibiotic course over a 10 day period, for example, and then never need the drug again. In comparison, individuals that have high cholesterol, for example, may end up taking a drug like Lipitor for the rest of their lives. And this, of course, is much more financially beneficial to a pharmaceutical company. Coupled with this, a company may spend over a billion dollars developing a new antibiotic. And as exemplified by this timeline, resistance may soon emerge after it is introduced into clinical use, which is both not financially desirable or viable. In a global context, more than 700,000 people die each year from drug-resistant diseases, and it is predicted that this could potentially rise to 10 million in 2050. So due to the increasing rates of resistance and decreasing arsenal of clinically useful antibiotics, the United Nations member states met in 2016 and agreed to develop policy that addresses the emergence and spread of resistance. This was the only the fourth time the General Assembly has held a high-level meeting to discuss a health concern. Subsequently, in 2019, a UN group released a report containing several recommendations concerning the prudent use of antimicrobials, use of antimicrobials as growth promoters, new technologies for combating resistance, and scaling up financing and capacity building efforts. And at the time, the UN Deputy Secretary General emphasized that antimicrobial resistance is one of the greatest threats we face as a global community. So in context of the antibiotic resistant pathogens of concern, my group has been involved in looking at the clinical utility of genomics in collaboration with various clinicians and hospitals located in Sydney. And in the next few slides, I'll talk briefly about some of these studies. In this first study, we looked at resistance evolution in a single patient via sequencing Staphylococcus aureus bacteremia isolates. Over an 80-day period, a 
patient was treated with several different antibiotics and S. aureus bacteremia isolates were collected at various time points. Based on post-field gel electrophoresis analysis, all isolates were identified as ST239 and resistance profiling revealed that some isolates had developed intermediate resistance to vancomycin, as shown in red, and resistance to daptomycin and quinapristin dalfapristin, as shown in green and blue, respectively. Note that crossed resistance to daptomycin emerged after exposure to vancomycin. Subsequently, whole genome sequencing was utilised to determine the resistome and phylogenetic relationship of these isolates and this revealed that different mutation combinations were driving the observed resistances. Importantly, it was revealed that non-susceptible subpopulations representing different mutations can emerge from an initial cloud of variation upon antimicrobial exposure. So, in summary for this study, whole genome sequencing allowed us to track in vivo resistance evolution and revealed that non-susceptible subpopulations can emerge from an initial cloud of variation upon antimicrobial exposure. This is most likely to occur in the case of high burden infections and highlights the importance of sequencing multiple isolates, if available, when investigating resistance emergence. Importantly, this has direct implications with respect to sample selection and the potential use of genomics as a diagnostic tool to guide clinical therapy. In this respect, deep sequencing of bacterial DNA isolated from patient samples would overcome the selective culture bias of isolated colonies and overall provide a more representative snapshot of circulating mutations. In this next study, we utilised whole genome sequencing for the real-time investigation and management of a Pseudomonas aeruginosa outbreak. In a Sydney Hospital neonatal intensive care unit, a marked increase in the number of babies colonised with P. aeruginosa was detected via weekly screening of those on respiratory support. Subsequent enhanced screening revealed that 18 babies in total were colonised and environmental swabbing also resulted in P. aeruginosa being isolated from seven sites. Subsequent whole genome sequencing of P. aeruginosa isolates from 12 of the infants and the seven environmental sites was performed and phylogenetic relationships determined. In the tree shown here, environmental isolates are denoted with an E and patient nasal isolates are denoted with an N. Overall, the results showed the following, that the environmental samples revealed a variety of sequence types, indicating a large diverse bio-burden within the unit. With respect to the patient isolates, all but one of them uh, clustered in ST253, indicating an outbreak, and these isolates were largely identical. Importantly, one environmental isolate obtained from a sink in the unit clustered with the ST253 isolates and only differed from the outbreak strain by nine single nucleotide polymorphisms. And this information allowed us to focus infection control activities on that particular sink. In this regard, the sink associated with isolate PA16 was closed 
and all other taps in the unit had their aerators replaced and were bleached daily. Subsequently, weekly nasal swabs were continued. However, no colonisation was detected in the following four months. Therefore, in conclusion, whole genome sequencing uh, allowed us to provide detailed information in a clinically relevant time frame to aid management of uh, the outbreak in a critical patient management area. And the superior discriminatory power of this method uh, makes it a powerful tool in infection control. In these final studies, whole genome sequencing was utilised to explore the role of the hospital environment in the transmission of multi-drug resistant organisms. In the first of these final studies, several environmental sites in an ICU were sampled for various multi-drug resistant organisms using swabbing and selective plating. Interestingly, 85% of the organisms identified were isolated from the ICU clinical workstation and the majority were identified as VRE in association with high-touch objects such as chairs, clipboards and keyboards. Due to the abundance of VRE, we decided to focus on these isolates and subsequently obtained any clinical VRE isolates that had been detected by a normal ICU screening during the same period that the environmental samples were collected. Initially, these clinical environmental isolates were screened via pulse field gel electrophoresis. And as shown here, several of the isolates had closely related or indistinguishable banding patterns. We subsequently selected three different clinical environmental isolate pairs representing different PFG patterns for whole genome sequencing. Subsequent analysis of the whole genome sequencing data revealed VAN-AVRE that were either sequence type 80 or non-typable. With respect to the selected environmental patient PFG pairs, minimal core single nucleotide polymorphism differences were identified, indicating that they were closely related. Of note, in the case of the ST80 isolates, the environmental samples were collected prior to the patient becoming colonized. And this can be seen at the bottom of this tree here, where the environmental sample for the third isolate pair was collected in August 2014. However, the patient isolate was collected after September 2014 and was initially negative on entry into the ICU. This therefore implies that the ICU environment, specifically the clinical workstation, was the likely source of transmission for these ST80 isolates. For the second of these final retrospective studies, the overall objective was to describe the transmission dynamics of the emergence and persistence of VAN-AVRE in an ICU using whole genome sequencing. 
31 VANA VRE were isolated from ICU patients over an 11 month period. And these isolates were from screening or various infection sites. Environmental samples from bed spaces, equipment and waste rooms were also collected and all isolates were subjected to whole genome sequencing. Although not shown here, phylogenetic analysis of resultant data revealed several VRE clusters, with one group accounting for 38 of 45 isolates, indicating a predominantly clonal outbreak. Interestingly, subsequent analysis using the R package Outbreaker software revealed that within the main cluster, cross-transmission cross was extensive and complex across the ICU, as shown in this slide. And in this slide here, the yellow uh, indicates screening isolates, the green indicates environmental isolates, and the red indicates infection isolates. And directionality, as indicated by this diagram here, shows that colonized patients contaminate environmental sites. Similarly, environmental sources not only lead to patient colonization, but also to infection. Notably, shared equipment acted as a conduit for transmission between different ICU areas. However, infected patients were not linked to further VRE transmission. Therefore, in combination, these studies show that VRE is often found in association with the hospital environment, and they provide evidence to support the use of multifactorial strategies with an emphasis on measures to reduce bacterial burden in the environment for su successful VRE control. And I'll add to that by saying that cleaning likely needs to account for multidrug resistant organisms living in dry surface biofilms. And this acts as a nice segue uh, to Karen Vickery's talk later in the week. I would like to finish now by thanking you all for listening and thanking the organizers for the invitation to speak.